You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech Fan Podcast number 306. I am Tim Robertson, joined by... David Cohen. Hello, David. For a change. Yeah, right? It's been a while. It's been, yeah, it's been a while. It seems like that way, you know. Yeah, and can I, can I just say... Um, I apologize for last week. I feel deeply ashamed that I let everybody down by being in a car park. Owen uh, did a terrific job. He did, yeah. I listened to it, and uh, and he did do a great job. He did. He's done a great job for the last couple of weeks. So yes, absolutely. Thank you very much, Owen. Right. We'll have to do it. We'll have to get you on all three of us um, because uh, he's always got a lot of interesting things to say. He does. I like his perspective yeah. on things. Uh, obviously, his background lends itself well to what we talk about on a weekly basis and uh you know generally i I really like the guy too so that helps can't think of the last time i had someone on the show i didn't like though that's good to hear from my perspective (laughs) (laughs) so we are uh about a month out now from max stock 2017 we are that's uh that's not too far away david no, I know it's going to come around very quickly, and uh, <laughs> I still really haven't finished my presentation, so I must get that done. I kind of have it all sketched out in my head, but I haven't actually put um, finger to keyboard in enough detail yet. Are you doing slideshow with it too? Yeah, I'm going to do slides, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I feel comfortable doing it that way, but I'm not going to do the kind of the the business PowerPoint time slides where I just read off the slides. It's going to be more like a Apple Keynote where things come up on the screen just to support what I'm talking about. Mine is the opposite. Mine is 100% focused on the keynote. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but you're doing you're doing something very interactive, though, so you need to have stuff on the screen like that, don't you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, it's I could describe something and have people to guess what it is. Um, yeah. But, no, it's, it's uh, coming together. Guy's been invaluable. He's contributed. Um, never mind. Anyways, um, <laughs> I I know he's going to listen to this, so I'm giving him a hard time because exactly, yeah, he, he's done one thing guy, for the whole presentation. Yeah, exactly. Guy, guy will be present. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, it's no, going to no, be a fun. You know what, guy? Guys, yeah, guy's got a very good memory for all of the that really old stuff. So well, and his um, job isn't to remember what the old stuff is. Uh, his job is going to be. Uh, to get the crowd into it in the audience, so yeah. I mean that that is not an easy job. Nope, uh, but guess guy was available and you couldn't find anyone else. So yeah, well you know no, guy and I have done this uh, a, a couple times already, so it's not our first rodeo. Yeah. But you know we're we're no. a, a a month away. It's a basically for us it's a three day weekend. Uh, we will. You arrive on Thursday, correct? I. If that's for me, I'm not here. I should. T- I, I should turn my phone off. Mm. Uh, yes, I do. I do arrive Thursday afternoon, and um, I'm going to hire a car this time so that Thursday and Friday I'm a little bit more mobile than I was before. Um, and planning to do a bit of shopping on Thursday and Friday, uh, and then obviously head up to the venue to meet up with you guys when you guys are going to get up there. Yep. And. Um, yeah, we need to figure out if we're going to do something on on Friday before you uh, before we head up there. Well, you um, know, but, I'm going to get there fairly early on Friday. I'm going to leave early here, so I'll be there early. Why okay, 
so so we'll 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 plan that offline. Yeah. Um, but I, say, I am I kind of thinking some... it might be fun to start a tradition like we did last year. Yeah. You know, last year we went to Galloping Ghost Arcade. I don't know if I want to go back there again. Uh, it was fun, but you know. I don't know. Well, A, we've, we've done that before, mm-hmm. even though it's a big place. We have done it before. And the second thing is, if you remember, around the uh, arcade itself, the, there wasn't really very much at all. No. Um, and sometimes it's nice to be able to go and, you know, have a bite to eat with people or have a drink or something. Um, and there's just not there's not really very good places there for that. No. So maybe we should try and find something else. What about that? Um, maybe that place in Schomburg? Um, Dave and Buster's? Yeah. I, that's fine with me. Or no, yeah. not, it's not Dave and Buster's. It's the Namco. No, thing. it's uh, the Namco one. Yeah, the um, I forget what we call it now. Yeah, it's the same. It's a similar sort of deal. Only you don't get you don't get access to all the games for free. No, but and I've seen the place. Um, I, I you know I drove by it all the time when I was working for OWC driving up there. So I would see it. I know right where it's at. Uh, that might be a, that's might not be a bad idea. Of course, yeah. My best my biggest expense is going to be fuel this time around. Right. You know, I'm driving the V8 Sequoia. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> by then, the new stereo system will be in. I've got it. Uh, the guy who's installing it for me keeps pushing me back uh, on time. You know, he's got things to do, but I'm hoping that it gets installed tomorrow. I, I went with a uh, JVC system. I think I told you that. I don't remember. No, I don't think, because we've not spoke for a couple of weeks. So, oh, that's uh, true. You, talk, you talked about it on the show last week, but you said you hadn't decided what you're going to get. Uh, I, I, I decided, and yeah. it arrived, and I'll talk about it once it's actually installed, and I could talk about it intelligently. But, you know, I had to get a lot of things to go with it, including uh, a Sirius XM adapter, a little thing that plugs into it so I can listen to Sirius XM, as well as uh, steering wheel controls, so you can convert the stock steering wheel controls to the new system. And then you right. can actually, uh, I believe you can program it so you can assign what button does what you know so like if i'm in the sirius xm app up and down will change through my preset channels if i'm uh, on bluetooth for instance and i'm using downcast it will go up and down in episodes depending on which podcast i'm in so i don't know it's uh it's fun but it's also i just want it in the car and i don't want to do it myself yeah your car is because of the amount of commuting you do, the, you know, having something in the car is pretty important. Yeah, I drive 70 miles a day. Yeah. And, you know, so it's 40 to 50 minutes in the morning I'm driving and then 40 to 50 minutes in the evening I'm driving. So, and sometimes, you know, part of that is driving on Interstate 94 on a notoriously dangerous part of it that always seems to have backups, uh, construction, and accidents. So, yeah, you know, I kind of want Bluetooth hands-free. Um, I want to be able to listen to my content on my phone. I want to listen to the serious stuff that I like. Uh, but I want options, and I don't have options right now. The GPS is going bonkers in my in, in the system right now. It thinks I'm somewhere in Detroit still. So why is that? Does it? I don't know. Um, I told the guy who he had pulled the deck out to run some wires back there and when he was only going to be hooking up my sub and amp, uh, which still isn't hooked up and ever since then it's just it doesn't know where it's at so i don't know if he didn't plug in the antenna all the way yeah or what but the system knows which way i'm turning but it's obviously reading that internally but i don't think it's picking up the satellite 
because it it thinks I'm somewhere in the Detroit area. You know what? I, this is something that kind of mystifies me slightly. I, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned on the show before that that in my Infinity, the um, the inbuilt system there is the the quality of it in terms of the performance, the hardware is appalling. It's really slow. When you turn the car on, it takes about 30, 40 seconds to boot up, during which time you can't do anything. You can't set destination. You can't start something new on the stereo. Um, and I've a couple of times I've had it where it basically it's just kind of fritzed out and locked up. And yeah. The only way to reset it is to restart the car. Yeah, it's because and the processor that... that they use in the head unit that's actually controlling everything is probably a very, very inexpensive Atom chip. Um, <laughs> I know. Yeah, the, but that's the point: is that you pay a lot of money for these systems. If, yeah. you, if you if you specify a sat nav system or a or a higher end audio system on a car, it's normally well, it's certainly in the UK. It's normally like a fifteen hundred pound option. Yeah, so that's as that much here. as a high end laptop, and yet they put the junkiest, crappiest hardware in it they can find, and I find that really really irritating. Well, not everybody. I'm fortunate to be selling Toyotas where. Um, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, I was showing this older couple a Prius 4, leather seats, moonroof, and the high-end audio system, JBL system in it, with, of course, GPS. And the Toyota system is really set up for you to talk to it. Once you have your phone paired, it's really designed to push a button on your steering wheel and say what you want to do. So you're keeping your eyes on the road, your hands on the wheel, you're not playing with the big infotainment system in the middle of the dash. And it is so responsive and so fast. Uh, so I'm showing them the system. I pair my phone to it so I can give them an example. They didn't have smartphones, so whatever. And I'm to say, hey, call so-and-so. Boom. It just immediately calls. Um, I say, take me to the nearest Apple store. It pulls up the list like that, where the Apple stores are nearest, where we're yes. at. That's... That's that sounds like a very good system. That's the sort of system I would want. The Infinity also has voice control, but the problem is unless you know what specific commands it uses, you can't use it. Well, in the Toyota, anyways, not- there's a tutorial uh, system that it encourages you to do, and you literally have to say, "Don't show me this again," until you do it, because it wants you right. to learn how to do it. That's I, I like the the. I like that the fact that Toyota is saying, hey, this is important. You really should do this before you just dismiss this and just start using the system. Because you're not going to get, if you're going to spend that much money, I don't care if it's an Infiniti, a Toyota, a Chevy, I don't care. You really should learn how to use these things and get the most out of them. You're paying a lot of money for this stuff. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Um, The the Infiniti system would, if it's not improved, the next time I come to replace that car, I would probably look at another brand because, look as, at I the saying, as I was saying about yours, it's it's really important. And, mm-hmm. and certainly with the, the Q50 I have, you can't really replace it. It's two screens. It's completely built into the dash. There's no space for another head unit there. You'd have to rip the entire thing out and redo the whole thing. Sure. It would be really expensive. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be worth it. So anyways, getting off car audio and technology, um, we did get some feedback uh, we got one we from uh, Nathan Bargate. You want to read that one? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So Nathan said um, he was asking. He asked us via Twitter. He said Windows 10 backup question mark. I find myself forced into using Windows for work related things, and I'm struggling with backup. Um, and and I think this is quite 
this is quite an interesting question because I think Windows does backup particularly badly. Yeah. Um, and Windows 10 is actually going backwards in some respects versus other things. So for the benefit, Nathan, anybody else using Windows 10 who wants to know what the best way of backing up things are, I think part of the problem with Windows 10 backup is Windows has a, probably a better than Apple system for actually refreshing your machine. So if you oh, need to I do agree. a fresh install, it tends to be a lot quicker and easier than it does with a Mac. Um, you can Although that may change with mode. Mac's new oper- um, underlying file system. Yeah. Yeah, it may do. It may do, certainly, yeah. But certainly with Windows 10, you want to refresh the machine. You want to wipe it so somebody else can use it. Um, it's a it's a very quick process. You just go into a, a setup screen and say, you know, refresh. You can refresh the OS in place without affecting your files, or you can wipe your files. And I, I think that, coupled with all the cloud stuff that Microsoft pushes you towards, has made them de-emphasize backup and something that's important to do. But as, you know, anybody who's who's use the computer for any length of time knows backup is actually very important and with all this ransomware that encrypts your files going around it's even more important so uh, I personally wouldn't want to rely just on refreshing cloud stuff to get myself back up and running so there, there are a couple of ways you can do this built into Windows 10 there's something called Windows File History which is kind of like Time Machine um, it works in when you've got it configured. It works in a very similar way in that you point it at a drive. You say, "This is my backup drive," and then as you use the computer, it backs everything up, allows you to go back in time and see files as they change. The difference between Time Machine and File History is that with Windows, you can have it just monitor your documents without necessarily doing all your apps in the system, um, which I suppose is something that's nice. So File History is there, but it, you know, Windows doesn't really make it very obvious that it's around and the problem with file history is that we are hearing via pe- from people inside Microsoft that um, come the next big Windows 10 update which is due in the fall um, file history is going to stop working yep. um, it will allow it will still allow you to restore from previous backups but it won't allow you to create any new ones so I've no idea why they think that's a good idea to take that feature away um, I do suspect because they don't promote it very well but not a lot of people use it but that's I don't think that's because the system is. itself is bad. It's just that nobody knows it's there. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, Nathan at this point is about to start backing up his Windows machine. I wouldn't recommend using file history because it it's, uh, shortly will be history. <laughs> there is um, something else called Windows System Image, which is kind of like doing a carbon copy cloner of a Mac. Um, and this is also built into Windows. It goes all the way back to Windows 7. And actually when you run the Windows System Image app, Again, it's really hidden away. I'm going to put a, a link in the show notes that actually covers Windows 10 Backup that actually explains how to get Windows system image, image going. But when you fire it up, it doesn't look like Windows 10 at all. It looks like it hasn't changed since Windows 7. Um, and that will let you do, um, a either again, either an image of your documents or a, a complete system image. The problem with that is it's a one-shot process, and it doesn't do incremental changes. So you can take a full clone of your machine and restore from that clone, but what you can't do is pull stuff out of the clone to restore individual files. So, you know, that's kind of... Isn't it ironic that Microsoft, or SAD, maybe SAD is a better term, how little respect they seem to have for the integrity of the end user's file system, and files, I should say, in that... Their solution to archive and back up and protect it is archaic at this point. 
Well, as I said, I think the mindset is, oh, it's all in the cloud. They really are pushing users towards Office 365, which comes with a massive amount of OneDrive data. Uh, and when you use Office 365, it kind of, until you, cha until you change it, it kind of goes to OneDrive first. It expects everything's going to be there. And so they are trying to move to a model where you don't have local data on your machine. All your documents live up in the cloud and are just synced back down. But the problem is not everybody does it like that. Right. A lot of people don't want to do it like that for various reasons. And also that doesn't help you if you have, and this is a real Windows problem, you have um, applications that store bits and pieces somewhere hidden away on the computer. You need to be able to back those up as well. Things like uh, game saves, um, things like configuration files, everything like that's all very well saying, well, you can just restore your apps. But actually restoring big apps like Photoshop, uh, even Office to some extent, you know, it takes a little bit of time. And then you have them configured up a certain way, then you don't have those, even Office 365, for example, suppose you have, you change the default template so that a new document in Word comes up with uh, stuff you like particular styles and things like that, maybe a corporate style or something you use for your home business or something like that. Those are files that are not in your documents folder. They're hidden away somewhere on the system. If you don't have a backup, when you go to install Office again for a fresh machine, for whatever reason, you'll have to redo all that work. And that's horrible. Yeah. And they really shouldn't make it like that. So I would suggest, unfortunately, that probably the best thing for somebody like Nathan to do is to look at a third-party paid package the, one, the only one of, uh, in, that's recommended this article that I linked to that I've used is a Cronus True Image, which is actually very good. I, I like it. It's not hugely expensive. It's about $50, um, £35 or so. Um, but actually, that allows you to do full system clones, incremental backups, backups of just your files, um, backups of certain directories, all scheduled, and, and all the things you would expect from a fully featured backup program. Um, no. If it being up my Windows 10 machines on a regular basis, I don't need to do that because my corporate machines, I actually am able to store stuff on the server, so I don't have to worry about the about the local stuff on my machine. And we have like a, a you know a standard build image that we use for ours. But if I was actually backing up my own home Windows machine, I would probably have a copy of True Image and be using it that way. Hmm. Yeah. I know. I, I agree with you. It is disappointing. And it's disappointing that, you know, Microsoft seems to take this kind of one approach fits all. If um, anybody think thinks it's a, it's a real that failing of theirs. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. And I don't think Apple's much ahead of them in this regard. Um, and I've documented on this show Time Machine's complete failure in, in many instances. Yeah. So I think now, that the companies yeah. that are making the OSs are terrible when it comes to protecting the OSs and, you know, giving us reliable backup storage. And anybody who thinks that, oh, well, I'm just going to use the cloud, that's just, it's it's fine. Uh, you're out of your mind because it's not. And we just lost David. So I'm going to pause here and see if I can get him back in. And while I wait for David to come back from the uh, little interruption here, I did want to thank our sponsor, MacSales.com. Hey, did you know OWC right now has an iMac 27-inch, 3.4 gigahertz, up to 32 gigabytes of RAM, 5 terabyte hard drive, SSD plus hard drive, Thunderbolt ready, starting at 869 Seriously, 869 bucks for a 27-inch iMac. It's an amazing deal. 
check it out, maxsales.com, or simply follow the link to this deal from techfanpodcast.com or mymac.com. And uh, here comes David to uh, agree with what I was just saying a second ago. I completely agree with you. I think um, realistically, the cloud, you know, the cloud is great. It's very convenient and all of that, but you are giving your data to somebody else. Absolutely. Really, if you want to make sure you want to make sure your data is backed up you have to have your own personal backup copies um, and then you always know where it is the cloud should be an extra insurance policy but it really is tough to recommend it as a um, as a sole backup solution particularly as it relies on good ba internet bandwidth and often if you've had a disaster um, that's something you, you may not have if you've had a, a fire or a flood or something like that or you had to move out your home for any reason um, and you, you have to leave your computer behind, yeah, you may be, you know, in a motel with lousy internet, and that's not going to help you restore a, a computer onto an, an, on, a, on your new laptop, something like that, if you need to do that. And everybody needs their computer for everything nowadays. Absolutely. It's, uh... Yeah. Anyways, let's uh, move on to something a little more positive. And, uh... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. I don't know if this is really positive, David. Uh, Sony is sanitizing <laughs> some films. Now, this is nothing new. For many years, especially with everyone at the time watching broadcast television, and there just wasn't a whole lot of channels, you know, the television wanted to show movies, movie night. But if there was a movie they wanted to show that had explicit content, they would edit that out. So it was always called back in the day, the TV version of a movie. And yeah. it wasn't just to sanitize them either. If they had a two-hour window to show this movie, and the movie was two hours and 20 minutes, well, guess what? They're cutting them probably 40 minutes out of the movie because they still have to fit ads in there. And yeah. so sanitizing movies, shortening them, editing them, without any participation from the director or the filmmakers, is nothing new. And yeah, Sony and we've, is all, doing we've all this, seen the more egregious yeah. examples where they... You know, they'll take a movie that has a lot of swearing in it, and then the TV version. And the other place you often sometimes see these is on is on movie is movies on airplanes. They change them for the airplanes, and they normally give you a warning to say they've done that. But they they kind of overdub the swearing with something that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, so they'll take a swear word and they'll replace it with the word jingles, and it just what sounds the pickles are you looking at? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, the the issue here is that Sony, in their infinite wisdom, has decided it's a good idea to, instead of leaving these things in the realms of the special TV versions uh, and with the airlines, is to start distributing these versions of the movies along with the regular versions. And this is what's got the entertainment industry up in, in arms, because the problem is, you know, in, in the past, these these edits, which, which all the filmmakers mostly hate... Um, have rem have remained private. They've remained in the domain of the TV companies and the uh, movie in and the film and the air airline industry. But by distributing them with the regular versions, the problem is these are going to start becoming more prevalent. And as well, there is there is often no way of telling which version you've got when once you've started watching the movie. And I think the uh, the directors and the actors involved in these movies are concerned that these kind of sanitized is the official term but these these movies have basically been hacked about in a in a way that just does not reflect the artistic integrity of the product you know they are just well let's just do what we can they're done very cheaply they're often done very badly um 
that these these versions of the movies will become the ones that a lot of people are familiar with, um, and they'll then obviously debase their product. And and I have to admit, looking at the list, there's there's a, in this story from the BBC, there's a list of 24 films that have been that are having these distributed being distributed on the DVD with this sanitized version. I look at some of these movies and I think. Why would you take a movie like that and then try and sanitize it? Right. So, for instance, we have on here, we have White House Down, which is a movie about terrorists um, invading the White House and taking the president hostage. Now, I have seen this movie. Um, it's okay. It, it's Yeah, it's okay. But the thing is, it's incredibly violent. Yeah. It has people being shot all over the place. Yeah. It has some quite intimidating and unpleasant scenes where effectively terrorists are, are trying to convince the president to give some information up by um, holding close people at gunpoint and then murdering them. And so you look at that con and apparently that content apparently is fine apart from maybe some edits to remove the goriest versions of that and yet they want to replace all the swearing with jingles. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever. Now to me that is just so wrong-headed yeah, if if you want to see an R-rated movie, go and see an R-rated movie. If you want to avoid exposing, I, I imagine the idea behind this is is children. If you want to avoid children seeing a movie like that, yeah, don't show them a version with all the violence still in, yep. but with you know, swearing in it. Just don't let them see the movie. Yep, that's the responsible way of doing that. So I think this, you know, to to take a list. Of, there are other violent movies on here as well. There's Elysium, a sci-fi movie that's, that, again, ends in a big battle. Captain Phillips, which is another hostage drama, based on true stories, but guess what? People get shot and killed in that. Um, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dra Dragon, which is a very artistic um, kind of wuxia uh, Japan, uh, Chinese fighting movie. The, the thought of taking violence out of that to me is ridiculous because that is kind of the ethos of, of wuxia movies. They are violent films about, you know, kind of martial arts. So why would you want to try and edit that down and make it water it down? It, it's just wrong-headed. And then there's a whole load of very adult comedies in here as well. Um, you know, Talladega Nights, uh, Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2, which are, are absolutely chock full of swearing. And that's part of the humour of it. And these are, these are grown-up movies. <laughs> The movie's called Grown Ups. But these are these are adult comedies. To try and turn these into something you think kids might watch by removing some swear swear words is is completely wrong headed to me. And and I do sympathize with what um with what some of the filmmakers associated with this are saying. They're saying that this has been done without our control, uh, and we are concerned that um our artistic vision is being compromised because these supervised versions that we've never we've never authorized are going to, be, are going to become what our what our work is known for i understand their concern i am getting a little tired of these directors who don't own the content their work for hire and oh my artistic shut up then make your own stuff and post it up on youtube and you could control everything but if you're going to take millions of dollars from a company like sony or disney or whoever warner brothers don't complain when they come in and step on your precious artistic vision because they own the property. And at the end of the day, guess what? Your artistic vision, if it doesn't match with their business interests, guess who's going to win that argument every single time? 
So, but yeah, it's the, like, the, the, problem, uh, the problem with that is that is that these people would just stop working for these for these uh, companies. They will just they will just not work for them. No, they and won't. And that means that that means of that at the end will. of the day, we won't get these. Yes, movies. they'll absolutely continue to work for them because they're making oh, millions yeah. of dollars as a director. Come on, really? We're not we're not going to do it no more. Oh, okay. Well, go flip mm. some burgers at McDonald's then, because well, ha- well, they don't have to. The point is that they, you know they don't have to do it. The the issue is if you are an up and coming director, you either have to have your stuff messed with, or you don't get to make movies. That, well, at least you don't get to like make them for choice. Sony. You get to make I, them well, for yourself, or you or well, yeah. But it's but here's not, the thing, David. If this continues to go, and and directors and writers and actors are not happy about it. It's gonna the same thing's gonna happen that happened in the early nineties. The independent film companies are gonna step up. They're going to give creative one hundred percent creative control legally to the filmmakers, and we're gonna get really good movies. I mean, we wouldn't have Tarantino. We wouldn't have Kevin Smith. These are people that started on the independent scene, made the movie they wanted to. I I have no problem with that. In fact, I hope that does happen. And here's the thing: nowadays. You don't have to worry about an independent film company coming along to try to save Hollywood. Because, guess what? Distribution is pretty much free. So, change the business model for independent filmmakers, which is already happening. Deliver it the way people are consuming content, i.e. Vimeo, Amazon, Netflix, YouTube. And you have 100% control over your content. 100%. The, I, the the issue I have with that is that you know much as I agree that that it's never been easier to get your content promoted, you still can't get it into movie theaters that way. But more and more people aren't going to movie theaters. Well, I know. So but adapt the is, to the yeah, times. That, that again, that's that's constraining our choice. There are times I want to go and see a big block, block high budget blockbuster movie in the movie theaters, and I'll and the the problem is if all the the good directors and everything like that put off by these initiatives don't don't work for the big companies then the quality of those movies go down uh, and let's face it the quality of those movies is not in some some regards is is not always fabulous at this point no they're not yeah and and the, and the, the, this this still smacks to me of what we're seeing more and more and more of which is studio interference in the creative process because some guy in a suit thinks he knows better than the directors the actors involved I was reading something the other day. I saw Wonder Woman last week. Um, a fantastic movie. Yeah, I saw really? Wonder Woman two weeks ago with the kids, and it, 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 it this is the way DC should have been going all along. But we'll get to our review here in a second, and there yeah. will probably be spoilers, so heads up. But yeah, but there's a key scene in that movie um, where uh, Wonder Woman basically, uh, you know, kind of takes the whole of the German army on in one go. It's and the first time when she. Even though she's been voicing, she's you know not been taking any crap from anybody all the way through the movie, and 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 the way they've done that is very good. You know, and they use her as a an outsider to basically really really challenge not only the prejudices that existed in the First World War in that period, but actually prejudices that are still there today. Yeah. Um, by her just constantly calling out, saying, "No, why? Why would you do that? Why would you think that? Why would you say I can't do that?" So the first time she actually demonstrates that she's going to put actions behind that is a pivotal scene of the movie and I've been reading over the last week that um, the studio execs wanted it taken out they yep. didn't think it was important and you know the director had to stick to stick to her guns to keep it in you know and of course now everyone's going oh isn't it amazing and all this sort of thing but again studio execs were 
screw up the movie because of their wrong-headed and prejudiced views about how things should have been done. And this this issue with with sanitization is that again they they're trying to pander to a, to a, a a demographic who they believe does not want swearing in movies, but are happy or sexual scenes in movies. They're quite happy to keep the violence. And I mean, I mean, the, the actual kind of ethos of that, to my mind, is is completely wrong-headed. But the, the fact that that they're doing that and they're quite happy to tread all over the um, the wishes and the desires of the people who actually made these multi-million-pound products for them and and help them make all this money. Yeah, to me, is they, they just need to take a long, hard look in the mirror to, to themselves. If people object, they should listen and not just go, I know better. Flip side? Yep. Z- Zack Snyder. Almost single-handedly destroyed billion dollars worth of properties for DC by making two movies that almost destroy these characters superman and batman well again there after the man of steel it got a fairly negative reaction they should not have given him the opportunity to do another one and yet they did and they've kept him well that was that was they gave him the opportunity to do another one legally before that movie even came out oh yeah because because movie studios have never had a way to wriggle out a contract or paying people what they what they're owed when they want to. Right, but here's a here's a perfect example of someone. No, I agree. If they, were, if they were sensible. They're, they they were bo- It was you know, both Zach, bad. They should have gone. Uh, I mean, um, there was a sucker punch as well before that. What they should have done is they should just should have said, you know Watchmen. what, Zach, thanks very much. Um, we're going to go. We've we've had a change of direction here. Right, but here's the and prime example go, I, I, of that. A week notice, but for Warner Brothers over that because it's their own fault. Well, here's a prime example of the artistic vision winning out and it being a complete freaking disaster. So should ha- should WB have Warner Brothers stepped in during the filming process and go, you know what, you're completely missing the point of these characters. These are not dark brooding characters. This is Batman's, well, dark, yeah, he's dark brooding. But this is Superman. He's supposed to be all about hope and justice and fairness. And, and all of a sudden, he's just, he's, snapping people's necks and he's brooding and he's like i don't want to be superman no one likes me it's it it's ridiculous so i don't know i i think the whole system's a little bit screwy i can't say that sony's right to do this but at the end of the day it is their property i think it's wrong-headed um these are not the films that they should sanitize i could see maybe a ghostbusters where it absolutely will appeal to younger kids, the newer version. And if you get rid of a few of the little naughty bits, it doesn't change anything in the film because this is a yeah. popcorn film anyways. And maybe you do want to watch it with your kids because you let them see the original Ghostbusters. They liked it. Now you're going to no, experience the new is, one. This is the original Ghostbusters. This okay. Is not... So the original then. Yeah. Where there's... I, I, the, original, the original one to be... I, I know. I, I, I've seen that movie countless times. I really struck... Apart from a little bit of innuendo... Um, and I the can't remember anything. Swear word, I I really struggled to see what what would have needed to be cut out of that so much so they have to release a version. Yeah, I really so do. So let's but... talk about Wonder Woman for a second. So yeah. anybody that hasn't seen Wonder Woman doesn't want to have anything spoiled. Skip ahead like seven eight minutes or so. Uh, I like I said, I took the kids. I assume that you took your children to it. 
Uh, actually, no, I went with my wife. Gotcha. Um, the kids were out for the day, and so we took the opportunity to have some time to ourselves to go and see it. My, my son in particular was really, really angry that we went without him. But <laughs> Well, he'll see it, though. I mean, it's yeah. not like he won't get the chance to watch it. I thought of all of the, the DC Universe that started with uh, the latest Superman movie, uh, which includes at this point Superman, Superman versus Batman, and uh, Suicide Squad. So there's been three movies in this universe now. Yeah, this is by far the best one. It, oh, it, it wasn't even close. It was there. It. I'm not going to say it felt like a Marvel movie because it didn't. But this is what DC should be doing. This is exactly what fans have been asking for since day one, and. There was not a whole lot about this movie I didn't like. I thought the big battle at the end was kind of stupid. But other mm. than that, I liked the movie. It, it yeah. should not have been a big battle. It, it, he should have been a sneaky guy going from room to room. And she's like, what the heck's going on? Not, well, not, not the not big that. power think, explosion that was... I think eh. I think they could have dealt with the whole... I mean, during the whole movie, you're kind of thinking, well, does... Does this creature that she's chasing really exist, or is it, or, or you know, has it faded away out of relevance? Right. I think I think they could have they could have kept that more ambiguous while still having a climax. I don't think, I think they that, needed the big big. No, bad exactly. Like this. I think I think actually the kind of the big reveal at the end was was a little bit wasted. And I, I agree. Have, they, yeah, they could have just done something else with it instead. And well, I think, I think the big more interesting. I think the big reveal should have been that. Yeah, he's. He is the god of war. He's Ares. But he really is just kind of coattailing on what the mortals are doing. He's really not doing much of anything because his concept of war pales in comparison to what the humans are doing to themselves. And so he's yeah, he, a, he's, I mean, he's enjoying he, he the riches, of, but... He kind of says that. But, yeah, but... But for them to... In, him, him to then react by by turning into a big bad monster she has to fight. Um, right, that's to the me, part. To me, was a wasted opportunity. Exactly. It was unnecessary. Yep. I understand they wanted to show her, you know, kind of really embracing her power and all of that, but I think it could have been done, done in a different way. I agree. I, I think she said, did... You know, I, I think Gadot did an amazing job as Wonder Woman. She was yeah. one of the few bright spots in Batman v Superman. Uh, this movie, where it's just her... I do like how it starts in modern times. She, they show that picture again that was kind of a pivotal thing in uh, yeah. the last one. Um, and then that is the impetus to show her story, how she gets off yeah. the island. I thought her interactions with, with uh, Steve Trevor was amazing. It was the best part of the whole movie. Yeah. And I, everyone's focusing on her. That movie wouldn't be an eighth as good. An eighth is good without Chris Pine. Chris oh, Pine no. was fantastic. He, he was he so was. good. I yeah, mean, he's because, basically because playing he had, his he, Kurt character. Yeah, but he had a really tough job. He did. In that he had to kind of, um, you know, kind of play with the tropes of the kind of the World War One spy, while also uh, allowing him to be modern enough to accept Wonder Woman at face value. And and he walked that fine line extremely well. And and it, he made. He made his interactions with her so the chemistry between them was so natural. Yeah. Um, apparently, apparently, I, I read the other day that that whole um, that whole scene on the boat, you know, mm -hmm. when they're when they're talking about 
you know, who's what, sleeping with each other and all of this sort right. of thing was completely and utterly improvised. I could see between that. Between the pair of them. And, and, you know, it was fantastic. And it, and it just goes to show what great actors both of them are. I think it was inspired to cast um, a foreigner, an Israeli, as Wonder Woman because it gave her that mysticism, that kind of, you know, slightly otherworldliness that yeah. you need. Um, and, you know, they chose, not only is she beautiful, but she's also a hell of an actress. Oh, I, I agree. She, um, she's she a really great actress. She, she really does pull it off. She plays the angry warrior extremely well and the, the naive out, uh, outsider extremely well. And you completely believe yeah. both of it. And yet when she is in the whole Wonder Woman regalia, her costume, you 100% buy it. Some people are like, oh, I think Absolutely. she's too skinny to be Wonder Woman. And you know what? She looked fantastic. She, her she, acting she, was, I think, the best of all of the DC movies so far. I most, think most Chris definitely. Pine is also better than everybody else in the DC universe so far. Um, yeah. You know, when he flies away at the end and he becomes Captain America eventually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. I really liked it. Um, yeah. I'm looking I, I, forward and, to you know, it. The, as well, the sidekicks, I thought, were, you know, they, they didn't... They were there, and you understand why he was with them, but they didn't kind of give them the focus that I think other char other directors would have done. They would mm -hmm. have tried to make the sidekick, sidekicks a bit more. They Also, they didn't make the sidekicks, you know, I mean, half, in most of these movies, even... In the original Captain America, the psychics are almost like superheroes themselves, or, or this, comic relief. Yeah, and the, with this, they didn't. They just made them human. Right. And, when and that guy's singing I, in the bar, and yeah. you understand his story and why he's doing that, and it's the first time he's done that, that's powerful yeah. stuff. It was really well done. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It was. It was a great film. I think my only criticism, apart from I share with you the ideas about the battles at the end, is I felt some of the special effects were kind of weak. I agree. There was. There were some Especially real compositing issues where it looked like she's not in the scene. Yep. And also some of the CGI they'd done in the fights to try and show her moving fast and everything was actually a little bit ropey. It looked yep. really kind of off. Yep. Um, but uh, apart from that, yeah, I loved it. Really, really loved it. Did you see... Welcome back for those who didn't want any spoilers. <laughs> Did you see the... Uh, E3 just happened. It just ended. And a lot of games were announced. Um but Microsoft announced their new Xbox One X, which, ugh. Uh, and it's it's really just a souped-up PC at this point. And I don't have a problem with that. But I, I I have an Xbox One. Here's the thing. I haven't turned it on in months yeah. at this point. I mean, the yeah. games on there are fine. But quite honestly, I'm playing... Well, Cole, I'll give you a prime example. Cole is playing the Wii U. Actually, he's five feet away from me in the other room playing it. Um, and he's playing Zelda on the Wii U. I'm playing Zelda on the Switch. When he, right before I started recording, he was actually on the PS3 playing... What game were you playing, buddy? Zelda. What? Zelda. No, I know you're playing Zelda now. What was the PS3 game that you were playing? Little Big Planet. Little, Little Big Planet 3? Yeah. So, we're not talking about cutting edge hardware here the wii yeah. u came out what six years ago the mm -hmm. ps3 came out seven years ago i remember being at a Macworld expo with guy searle walking by the sony store <laughs> right there next to moscow drooling over a ps3 and i hadn't bought one yet and yet 
here is a nine-year-old playing older games, well, older systems, and he's not chomping at the bit for a new Xbox One X. I, you didn't even know about the Xbox One X, did you, Cole? What is that? What is that? That's his question. <laughs> well, it is a new Xbox system coming from Microsoft that plays the same Xbox One games, except for the picture will be even better. And it's going to cost like four hundred dollars. Do you think? Do you think it would be worth getting a new Xbox One for four hundred dollars? Does the games just look a little bit better? No, yeah, I'm kind of with you, buddy. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and David said he's with you too. So, you know, I get what Microsoft's attempting to do. I think that the original Xbox One was fine. They just put the emphasis on the wrong things. Yeah. Um, and I don't see that it's they really corrected that at all. The issue I have with this is that the overall console market for these things is pretty small. I mean, the, what the X, the PlayStation Four sold about sixty odd million. Yeah. Uh, and the Xbox One is about half that. So yep. ninety million devices. So to to fragment uh, a a market that's not by you know by modern electronic standards is not particularly huge to me doesn't seem to be a, a smart move now obviously this is kind of catch up because playstation did this already with the playstation 4 pro yeah um, and i don't know how many of those have sold against the original playstation 4 but to me all you're doing is you kind of segmenting a you're not bringing in new people with these devices no. there are not people who are going you know what i would buy an xbox one if the graphics were just a little bit better yeah if they were 4k and and same with the playstation 4 to pro to be honest and the problem is who are the game designers going to design the games for? Are they going to make them optimized for the higher-end console or the original console? There is always a risk that when it comes down to time and budget, you say, you know what, we'll choose for one over the other, and you're leaving one group of gamers kind of high and dry. And I wouldn't mind all of this if it was leading to better games. But in fact, you look at the games market nowadays, and it's the sequelitis has gotten way out of control. Yeah. They're basically selling... The same game over and over again. I saw some footage of Crackdown 3 from E3. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, the draw distances look better. Um, it looked a little bit smoother and everything like that. But the gameplay is the same game it's always been. Yep. Now, I, I played the hell like you did. I played the hell out of Crackdown 1. Uh, I actually played Crackdown 2 t through twice. And my son's also played it through twice. We, all, we absolutely loved it. But it, really, I, I don't see how the Xbox One version of Crackdown 3 is, an is much of an improvement. It's the same game. Yep. Now, don't get me wrong, I'd like to play a different version of that game. I enjoyed the game mechanic, but it's not worth dropping another few hundred dollars on a brand new console for, and I'm certainly not chomping at the bit for a 4K version of it. No. And, and 4K, I think, is it's overplayed. I know it's a really big deal in the States, but telling you from, you know, from somebody who lives not in the States... People, are, people in the UK are not interested in 4K at all. No, I think a lot of people not, aren't. It's not a big deal. It, nope. it, it's another uh, you know, checkpoint on the team. Well, it came too soon after everyone had already adopted 1080 flat screens. Yeah. It just came too soon. People, Too many people are... And TVs are not something that people upgrade on any kind of a regular cycle outside yeah. of 10 to 15 years. So to yeah. drop 4K that quickly... I think people were just like, eh, I don't need that. I mean, why? So and, and I think I think if it just started dropping now, it might be a different story, but they dropped it too soon. 
Yeah. Also, it's it is the very much the law of diminishing returns. Yep. So to go to 4K, you need a 4K TV. Then you need a new console, and the reason you need a new console is because it's got to have more graphics power to push more pixels. So you do all of that, and then you play the games at a slightly better resolution. Well, obviously, it's a much better resolution than 1080p. Okay. But the point is, unless you're right in front of the TV, it looks the same. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, you can't see that detail unless you're right up close to the TV, and nobody plays games like that, particularly on a on a 45, 50 inch screen. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, it. Uh, I I just um, I ju- I just don't I don't see it as being, a, 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 excuse the pun, a game changer. No. Um, and um, yeah, it was a bad pun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, let's I, let's yeah, let's go back maybe, in time. But, but maybe I'm just getting old. Yeah. Just, let's... Let, let's go back in time for our new weekly feature called Wiki Trolling. We should have yes. a little jingle for that. We've got some more topics, but we're going to hold them for next week. Yeah. Um, Wiki Trolling this week, I actually pulled this like two weeks ago, uh, and I was going to use it on the last show, but Owen had that uh, monkey selfie one. Yeah. So I've been holding this now for a couple weeks, and it is the Commodore VIC-20. Wow. This is uh this was announced in 1980. And so this is an 8-bit computer system and it was done by Commodore, obviously. The VIC-20 for a while was a very very popular computer. Mm. It was 299 bucks, which is about 750 bucks nowadays. So it wasn't yeah. cheap. But it was at the time anyways kind of an amazing computer. I remember seeing the VIC-20, and it was, I thought, a pretty cool system. Now, it, the whole computer was basically the keyboard, and yeah. it was all the guts were underneath this keyboard that you then just plug into your TV. Well, this this was kind of the predecessor to the machine that came after it, which yes. was the Commodore 64. And obviously, the Commodore 64 was a hugely successful machine that um, sold for many, many years. Um, but really, the Commodore 64 would not have happened without the success of the VIC-20. That's correct. Vic, VIC-20 basically kind of, I mean, if you if you look, when anybody looking at the Wikipedia page will look at the picture and say, oh, that looks like a Commodore 64 in different colors. Uh, and it was the same effective case. Yes. Uh, and it had many of the same features and ability to take um, ROM cartridges in the side. Um, it had much less memory. I think it only had about 5K of memory. Um, but effectively, this was kind of the, a trial run that for what became the Commodore 64, which was one of the most popular 8-bit computers of all time. So in 1982, so. the VIC-20 was the best-selling computer of the year with 800,000 machines sold. Now, this is 1982. That is huge numbers in, in 1982. One million had been yeah. sold by the end of the year at one point. 9,000 9, units a day were being produced. That summer, Commodore unveiled the Commodore 64, a more advanced machine with 64K of RAM, and remember the VIC-20 had five, and considerably improved sound and graphic capabilities. Uh, Sales were slow at first due to uh, reliability problems and a lack of software, but by the middle of 1983, the latter, i.e. the Commodore 64, had turned into a flood, and the VIC-20 sales abruptly plunged. Yeah, it was quietly discontinued in January 1985. So it had a five-year run, and at one point, halfway through its cycle, it was the best-selling computer out there, and it was cannibalized by yet another Commodore, 
product, which is kind of the Apple thing. If 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 yeah. you're going to make something obsolete, do it yourself. Don't let your competitors do it for you. I think the strength of, of this, this particular system, the VIC-20 and then this Commodore 64, is effectively it had a lot of the advantages of the Apple II, but at much lower cost. Yep. So, um, you know, it was uh, you could get disk drives for it. You could get all sorts of third-party add-ons. It was a very strong... Um, software support for for both systems because I remember the Vic, Vic Twenty games and and applications were a big deal yep. when it when it first came out. It was, um, and um, and particularly the Commodore sixty four had enough memory that you could do a lot with it. I think one of the problems the Vic Twenty was that it was severely memory constrained, but it had all that interfacing stuff that meant you could do a lot of the stuff you could do with the Apple II, but um, again at, at a, a fairly low, fairly much lower cost. It's uh, it's one of those that I think a lot of people kind of overlook looking at the history of computers. But if you were here in the United States and you went into a Radio Shack or something, it, it, at that time, the early 80s, it was all about the Apple II and the VIC-20. Those were the two biggies. Um, I, 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 I can't overestimate or overstate enough how popular this was at one point well 800,000 systems in a year back in the early 80s that's that's a monster hit it's it was huge. Uh, and really it make i mean the, the success of these two systems made commodore a real computing giant for a long time yep. they kind of they made some missteps later on and um, we could probably talk about that in a future episode the decline yeah. of commodore but it's kind of worth noting that it really didn't become bigger and a lot of people probably don't well people listening to this show probably wouldn't understand that is because of the Apple II and its penetration into the educational market it can't be uh, again overstated how popular Apple was in education and yeah. being popular in schools was a direct translation to being popular in the home so yeah. if your kids were using an Apple II in school guess what you're probably going to get at home and so yeah. that was the probably the biggest stumbling block for both the VIC-20 and less so for the Commodore 64 because the Commodore 64 was really, for all intents and purposes, kind of the gaming computer. I mean, that's yeah. kind of where its its thing came in because everybody else is getting the Apple II and Visical. With Commodore and the Commodore 64, it was more about the games. It was computer games. and. If you walked into any electronic store in halfway through the 80s and into the 90s, if you saw a Commodore, it was surrounded by game peripherals, joysticks, yeah. flight controllers, and all kinds of software that was all games. It was yeah. never the computer for computing at home. The, the, the key, I think the key differential, not only was the Commodore 64, a really good 6502 system with um, you know good graphics, which obviously is important for games, but because it had that 64K memory yep. and because you could get discs for it, yep. which made it easy to have more complicated games on, that was the real kind of advantage it had. But what you say about education is absolutely right. Here in the UK, um, there was a, uh, a machine that was kind of inspired by the Apple II. It was very similar to the Apple II called the BBC Micro. Yeah. Um, but that was actually sponsored by the BBC um, and constantly became huge in schools, which meant um, it really drove a lot of adoption into the homes for exactly the same reason. Yeah, if you're a parent want... and your kids are using a system, we're, still, we're seeing that now too as well. Not as much because 
Computers are very prevalent, cell phones, tablets, blah, blah, blah. But if you're a young family and your kid gets a Chromebook for school and he can't bring it home and you need to get her a computer at home too, guess what you're probably going to be looking at? <laughs> Not the Chromebook. You know, education, I think, is still, if you can dominate in education, it's a direct translation to the home market. And I think Google understands that. I think Apple has forgotten that a long time ago. They abandoned yeah. the, the education market years and years ago. They may say otherwise, but I don't care what they say. They did. Absolutely did. Well, um, they, the, the replacement for that for them is the iPhone. Yes. I think, they, I think they, they rely on the fact that people who have an iPhone will often then go out and buy that other Apple products. So yep. that's that's their route to market. They're kind of like their, um, you know, they're kind of their Trojan horse. The thing that gets you into the ecosystem is the iPhone. Yep. Um, and, and so they consequently they've ignored education because and they android they just don't need to. android has no penetration in in education at all so google used chrome and yeah. it's a great solution for education it's inexpensive it's all cloud based uh, there's very little upkeep when it comes to the it infrastructure for these because if the computer dies just give the kid another computer he signs in and there's no difference um, and parents pay attention to stuff like this you know and as kids grow up what are they used to there you go that's what they're yeah. looking at the next time they're that they're an adult what are they looking at well for the last six years they've been using chrome since high school it's it can't be over overestimated it really is that important and the vic 20 never had any penetration in the classroom but that being said, it was still very, very, very popular. I never had one. Uh, I always wanted one. I just, I just never got one. Yeah. So with that, David, no, but... we should probably wrap this show up. Uh, it's getting quite hot where I'm at. I need to turn the air, air conditioning on. I'm kind of getting a little sweaty. Sweaty. Yep. Can't, can't have you melting before no. the podcast is finished. No, absolutely not. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about the uh, new iPad Pro, the 10.5 inch, and uh, a drone. I can't wait to hear about that. That'll be fun. Yeah. Drone. So you've got like a, a person following you around that has no brain? That different uh, kind of well, drone? Well, I've got kids as well, so. Oh, well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll see you next week, my friend. See you then.